Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think and reflect on your business, not just act on your business. What I try to do is take relevant topics that I think are really key to help you take your business to the next level. Today, I want to talk about a topic that really is wrapped around my book, How Fit Is Your Business? And I encourage you, as you think about this particular topic, Ask yourself these key questions. Go through the fitness checkup that I'm really talking about here. And if you feel like more depth that's required, you can certainly go to either a webinar or grab a copy of my book and be able to read it in more depth. This notion of business fitness, I think, is important to understand. The question is, why did I even write this book in the first place? How fit is your business? You know, is it because I was trying to be clever? Is it was trying to find metaphors and analogies? No, of course not. What I realized at the time was that the reality is most of you got into the remodeling business because, quite frankly, you had some sawdust in your blood or you're passionate about design or you just wanted to start start your own business. You didn't go to Remodeling University to find out, you know, what the standards and the practices and the approaches were just like a doctor, or accountant or attorney would do. And as a result of that, you know, most remodeling businesses are a product of evolution, not design. They started off, they made some mistakes, they corrected the mistakes, and then eventually, before they knew it, the quicksand was up to their waist, and they said, you know what, I'm in the remodeling business. And you do the best you can, but the reality is you never have really focused on what the fundamental fitness is of the business. Now, I draw this parallel between health and fitness and business fitness in large part to help you really understand and comprehend it, because when it comes to your personal health and fitness, you understand it because since you were a child, you were brought up understanding what is good, what is bad in terms of what you eat, what you do in terms of exercise, mental health, all those kind of things. And it's become very much second nature to you. However, when it comes to your business, that's not necessarily the case. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take you through a business fitness checkup. Now, unlike some of the other podcasts where you can actually reflect on these, I encourage you, this is a podcast you might want to go back and listen to a second time. Maybe listen the first time around purely just to kind of get a, a grasp of the concepts here. And then the second, actually use it as a tool either for yourself and or your team to actually take you through a fitness checkup. I think if you do that, you will see and you'll understand, I think, much, much better the insights. Now, here's a couple of rules of the game. Number one, let yourself breathe in the whole fitness checkup first. Number two, as I'm going through these different categories of fitness things, like your blood pressure, like your cholesterol, I do not want you to score it until I've finished speaking about that topic because there's a lot of people that have some false positives when it comes to some of these different topics. 
So with all that said, let's begin. There are 10 criteria that I've created that are part of this business fitness checkup. No different than, like I said, going to the doctor, checking your weight, checking your blood pressure, checking your cholesterol. We're going to do all those different things, but we're going to do it with your business. And the reality is just like with myself, I have very, very low blood pressure, but my cholesterol tends to rise a little bit. And if I'm not focused on that, I'm going to need to at some point take a medication. So you need to focus on the specific thing to have your overall health. As I look at the best of the best businesses out there, they not only have the highest level of scores, but what they have is the most consistency throughout their scores. And that's really what I want to focus on. Uh, Many, many people who are passionate about remodeling, they tend to be very good at certain things. And oftentimes what I find when I coach remodeling companies is they don't focus on the things they're weak at. They focus on the things that they're especially strong at and they want to get better and better and better at it as opposed to focusing on some of the weaknesses. Now, with these 10 criteria that we're talking about here, you know, one question I'm sometimes asked is what's more important than the other? And the reality is it's kind of like asking which of your children are most important. There are a couple, I think, that are that do affect other criteria. However, as you're going through this, try to just think about them all being relatively equal and equally important. So what I want you to do as I'm going through this is I want you to to score each of the criteria. So what I mean by that, I'm going to give you a particular one. Like number one is going to be knowing your numbers. I'm going to get into that in more detail in a moment. However, what I want you to do is after you uh, listen to the descriptions of knowing your numbers, take a moment, even if you have to pause this podcast, take a moment and reflect Reflect on it and then score yourself 10 being the highest, zero being the lowest. Now, if you're not sure whether it's a five or six or whether it's a seven or eight, go ahead and use 5.5, 7.5. It's more important that you're scoring yourself kind of how you're feeling relative to others. Now, once you've done this exercise, it's a great idea to get your key team members to do it with you because oftentimes your perspective and your score is going to be influenced dramatically different by a typical day or typical month in the in the life that you're experiencing and and you need to have some outside perspectives you need to Uh, uh, leverage, I think, some of your team members to have a more accurate score. But just as importantly, I think for a team, it gives you an opportunity to have a relatively simple and objective way to discuss how things are going. If you have, for example, a key person from production who's scoring you and he's saying in terms of your reputation, it's especially strong, and then he's able to explain why, where you are certainly challenge because maybe you've got a couple of difficult clients that you're working with. So by listening to other people in your organization when it comes to uh, the, the fitness scores, it really helps you get aligned. And I think those companies that are better aligned are oftentimes rowing together and are most successful. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive in. 
Number one uh, of the criteria is titled Knowing Your Numbers. Now, knowing your numbers is not necessarily about the profitability of the business. Knowing your numbers is knowing your numbers. It's kind of like when you're driving a car, you know, do you know, for example, those key numbers in that dashboard of the car that you need to keep an eye on as you're driving along? Obviously, when you're driving a car, you know what they are because you've been driving so long. But when it comes to your business, you don't necessarily know. So the first question is, number one, do you know what they are? What are those key numbers? With most remodeling businesses, there are about five key numbers that you need to know within your business. They involve leads, they involve sales, they involve effectiveness and gross profit and overhead. But the key is for you to know what those key numbers, what those key metrics, just like it is in a car in terms of your speedometer and your, your gas gauge and your, your temperature gauge. So the next question is, is your business guided by the numbers? You know, it's one thing to have these numbers, but are you making your decisions in your business based on how these numbers are doing? Do you review them on a weekly basis? You know, one of the keys, I think, to any kind of level of success is the level of monitoring your numbers. If you think about this as like a pilot flying from, you know, uh, Washington, D.C. to California, there's literally hundreds of times they're monitoring their numbers to be able to get them to the location safely and necessarily on time. Uh, Do you have a solid plan? Solid plan. Now, today's a little bit trickier in that I'm a big believer in more shorter, medium-term plans, but a very clear long-term vision. We've experienced enough kind of craziness out there, but you do need to have a plan regardless. Uh, And the other element, I think, when it comes to your numbers is you do you really know your history of the numbers? You know, it's great to talk about the numbers as it relates to uh, particular uh, 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 elements comparing to other companies, but more importantly, how does it compare to your history? You have some history going back one year, two year, three year. Well, if you don't know what those numbers are, I think you're going to be more challenged. And the last one is how are you doing in terms of your estimating versus actual in terms of your predicting and your forecasting? Uh, so number one is knowing your numbers. So I want you to just pause for a moment. Think about the criteria I just said, score your business, 10 being the highest and zero being the lowest. Okay, number two on the list is systems and processes. Uh, Systems and processes within any businesses, and quite frankly, in most walks of life, whether you realize it, when you're baking cookies, there is a process to it. When you're getting ready to get going in the morning and get going, uh, heading off to work, there's a process to it. When it comes to uh, sports, there's a process to it. So the first question, I think, when it comes to your business, especially as you start to inch it up and grow a bit, is are these processes written down? 
You know, it's interesting how I ask companies all the time about processes and then they don't necessarily have them written down, whether it's a lead kind of uh, initiation, initial phone call, management, sales process, uh, uh, the production process, the passing of the baton between sales and production, the substantial completion walkthrough process. Every one of these are a process. Now, the question is, do you have them actually written down? The second element when it comes to your processes and systems in terms of health is how many of these are you made dependent on the process and not individual personalities? You know, what's interesting with a lot of owners, they have designed the business around their personality, not necessarily the processes. Do you have consistent ways to make evaluations, whether it's evaluations of projects, doing proper autopsy, or a consistent way of evaluating even the people as it relates to uh, that. The client experience process, do you have a way to really judge the proper client experience? And do you have consistent communication vehicles in place? You know, these are just a taste test of processes and systems. And as I see different companies out there, like I said, some are more driven by the process, some are less, but I would say the best of the best all have these fundamental processes. They may not be, you know, wearing a straitjacket. However, they have the fundamental steps of how they move through things. So just take a pause for a minute. Number two is systems and processes. Number three is titled your leadership. Now, leadership is leadership. It could be you. It could be your leadership team. Think of it like leading, guiding, making the decisions within the company. I think, again, it could be a combination. If you have partners, if you have family members involved, all of those involve kind of the leadership. I think any great company has great leadership, has the right kind of voice, the right kind of perspective. So here's some ways to unpack and think about leadership when it comes to your business. Number one is is the leadership visionary. You know, I'm a big believer the best of the best companies out there are visionary companies. They have a vision. They know they're going to the mountains versus the seashore. They know the type of clients that they want to be focused on. They know kind of the overall theme and the values and all of that with the company. There is a direct sense of vision as it relates to the business. The second, I think, element is the leadership uh, communicating well. You know, again, uh, as companies grow, communication sometimes becomes more difficult. But at the bottom line is there needs to be good communication. Is there a clear goal orientation? Big believer. What are the top three goals that we want to try to accomplish? What are the priorities that you want to keep focused on? If you're all over the place, I think oftentimes leadership is really where the problem oftentimes is. Uh, Unselfishness and certainly empathy is part of the leadership. I think that level of of, uh, heart in the business is just as important, certainly, as the head in the business. Uh, Strategic thinking. You know, it's great to think about where you're heading. It's great to think about over 
overall priorities, but you need to have strategies. You need to have plans. And that skill set that the leader has needs to be kind of plugged into, I think, the thinking. Uh, it's also, I think, the leadership needs to be respected, uh, respected by the team, respected by the strategic alliances, respected certainly by the community. And last but not least, does the leadership really kind of walk their talk? Are they kind of separate from the rest of the company? But do, or are they part of the company and really kind of walk their talk? So number three, <clears throat> leadership. So I want you to just pause for a minute, reflect on the criteria I gave, not necessarily just your image of leadership, and score the business, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest. And again, it's about the business of leadership. It's not just about you as the leader. Number four is the team. Oftentimes I'll ask audiences when I'm doing a talk, do you have a great team? And you can imagine every single hand co comes up. So in this case, what I want you to do is I want you to just sit back and listen to what I'm saying about the team before you actually sc score it. So the first thing is uh, you need to have strong performers. I truly believe every single team needs a handful at least of really, really all-star our players if, in fact, they're going to get to the playoffs and to the World Series. So you need to have strong performers. Another, and this is a little bit of challenge today, but you need to have a relatively high retention rate. If you have a very low retention when it comes to team members, it's oftentimes an indicator. Yes, of course, the times are a little bit different, but it's an indicator of certainly maybe the team is not quite as strong as you think. Good synergy among the individuals of the team members. Again, very important. You know, do they want to grow with you or do they just see this as a job? Well, how would you know? Well, you would know that if there's more conversations on their part and your part about where they'll be in the future, not necessarily where they'll be right now. Uh, is there kind of a gung-ho or a team spirit about the team? Uh, are the team members, whether it's internally or externally, consistently exceeding the expectations or are you constantly finding that there's a lot of disappointment there of falling short on expectations uh, is there a commitment amongst the, themselves to constantly improve. You know, I'm a big believer that you have to really question and, and create a culture that your team members are kind of students of their skill and constantly trying to improve it. You can't necessarily always be dragging them along. They've got to push you forward. And do you feel that there's a right level of accountability uh, when it comes to your team members? So under your team, I want you to, again, just pause for a moment and write down the score, 10 being the highest, zero being the lowest. Okay. Number five is the product itself. That's the projects that you're doing. That's uh, the advice you're giving. That's the experience, certainly, that the client is having. It's the product itself. You know, you're in business in large part, not just to create new relationships and friends, but also to do a product or project as well. So again, what I encourage you to do is think about the way I'm describing this and then score in uh, your business based on that. Number one, high quality advice and service. 
You know, it all starts with that advice and certainly that experience. Do you have a well-defined product and service? I know many years ago I was doing a talk and I asked someone in the front of the office, what's the right audience, what's the right size project for your company? And he said anywhere from $500 to $500,000 all over the place in terms of size and probably type of project. I asked a particular person who's in the back of the audience, who's someone I happen to know, I said, Jim, what is the right size project for you? And he said, $72,400. Now, obviously, that was overly specific. However, do you think that Jim has a well-defined project, well-defined client, well-defined focus versus the guy in the front of the audience? And I happen to know both of them, and one is substantially more profitable, growing the business and healthier than others. Uh, Is there a consistent client experience? You know, when you have good processes and systems, your product needs to deliver a good client experience. Another criteria is on-time delivery. You know, if you find that a high percentage of your projects are drifting over or very much ahead of time, then that's probably not the healthiest place to be. A clear demographic of your client. You know, I think by taking some time and really drilling into the client uh, professions, the economic demographics, a little bit more the profile of the family, you know, but also even more deeply, you know, what... What are the priorities that your, your, your clients have? I think the more of the demographic clarity, the more your product is also healthy. And then also, do you find that you have predictable results? Predictable results are oftentimes a good indicator of a healthy product. So we're halfway through the, the criteria at this point. So I want to move on after you score each one of these. I want to move on to the next one. Number one, I've titled your results. Now, your results aren't necessarily just the profitability. Your results are overall results in the business. So so when it comes to your results, the question is, are they predicted? Are they as you predicted they'll be? Now, I know, having grown a fairly substantial business, there's certain elements and divisions and certainly departments that we expected, you know, it to be a year, two years, three years of investment in it before we'd see a big return. So it's not necessarily results being the highest. It's what you predicted them to be. Now, I'm all for exceeding the predictions, but at the same time, I'm not uh, a, a big believer that you should focus on just exceeding the predictions and not necessarily hitting hitting uh, the results for others. So the short-term and long-term balance is important with your results. Having consistency uh, with your results. And then what you want to see, I think, when it comes to your results is you want to track it, track it on a graph, track it on a timeline so that you always see consistent improvement in terms of those results. I think if you in fact have really strong, good, constantly improving results month to month or quarter to quarter, uh, the reality is you're going to see uh, a lot more success. 
Number seven, in terms of the criteria, uh, is a little bit different. Now, it's, I say it's different because this one is titled Your Stress. And certainly, I think that's more confusing than ever today as we've gone through the last uh, couple of years of this pandemic. However, uh, stress is the right level of stress. It's not high stress and it's not low stress. So best way to think about this, think about it a little bit like a rubber band, you know, a rubber band that's just limp with no stress doesn't do anybody any good. If you stretch that rubber band too far, it snaps. It also doesn't do you any good. So what you want to have is the right level of tension, the right level of stress, the right level of use of this rubber band. So that That's a score of a 10 is the right level of the rubber band being in the right level of tension. So how do I look at this? Do you make time? Do you make time for yourself? Do you make time for your friends? Do you make time for your family? You know, those businesses that are working on godly hours and not necessarily investing the time and energy to other things, oftentimes are probably not the healthiest businesses. Are you able to limit the number of hours you work? Now, I'm going to give you a bracket of that, but you need to decide this for yourself. And that is people that are passionate about their business, if they can stay in that 40 to 60 hours a week, you know, fine. If in fact you, you want to do a little bit more and be in the fifties, that kind of thing, that's fine. However, the real thing is able to limit, not necessarily that's what you do. Uh, control your day versus your day controlling you. You know, one of the key elements in terms of your stress is certainly mastering time. Uh, and, and I think the more that you focus on that, and I've certainly spoken, I've written a lot about the art of time mastery. So it's really important, I think, that you actually kind of throw that into your mix when it comes to your stress. Your proactive versus reactive is under control. You know, individually and with your leadership, I encourage, you know, at least 80% of your time being proactive that you control versus 20% being reactive. And if you're in that range, that's usually a, a, a kind of a good place to be. You're also spending a little bit of time, and I know it's not a lot right now, but a little bit of time just focusing, working on the business, not just in the business. You know, when Michael Gerber wrote about that many, many years ago, I think think it really, really struck a chord for many people, but you can quantify how much time are you spending working on the business versus just in. And if in fact you're spending five, 10 hours a week, you know, much more on improving the business, focusing on the business, not just doing it, that's certainly a pretty healthy place to be. Uh, and then lastly is just carving out time for yourself, making appointments to yourself to improve and focus on different elements that make you better. So that's number seven. So take a moment, think about your the level of stress in your business uh, and 10 being the best in this case and zero being the worst. Number eight, we're on our final leg. We've got a couple more criteria here and then we'll wrap up is your reputation. So your reputation within the business, I think, is really important. A lot of people think about all these other elements of the healthy business. But the way I want you to think about your reputation is as follows. Ten being the best, zero being the worst. Are you well-respected in the industry? 
And again, this could be national, it could be regional, but you got to have some respect here. Also re- respect in terms of the marketplace and the community. Uh, do you have raving fans for clients? That's a good indication of a good reputation. Is it relatively easy for you to kind of hire and bring on the right folks? I mean, today, more than anything, you want to try to be more of a magnet of with the talent, not just trying to get out there and chase them down. It's a very difficult time. I think the companies that are really, really strong are able to hire new employees and able to use strategies to do that. Uh, do you have a relatively high referral rate when it comes to uh, bringing on new clients and new business. Uh, Another one that's a little bit trickier, but I think it's important, and that is, is the local and national media interested in you? Uh, obviously that they they tend to be very risk adverse and they want to work with companies or tell stories about companies that are really more risk adverse as well. And then lastly, uh, certainly not least is do the suppliers, the subcontractors, the alliance seek you out or are you constantly out looking for them? Again, rate yourself 10 being the highest and zero being the lowest. Number nine is what I titled as your positioning, and that is how well positioned is your business? So it's great to take a snapshot, just like going to the doctor, of how you are today, but part of the overall health in a business is how well you're positioned for the future. Uh, I do believe most businesses care about being sustainable. They care about the future next year and the year after, not just today. So here's a way to, I think, see, I think, the better businesses out there when it comes to well position. Number one, is it stable and consistent? If it's super herky-jerky, then it's probably not positioned as well as you want it to be. Is there a strong market awareness? You know, I think when you really think, do you have an ear to the ground? Do you really understand and are able to predict a little bit more market conditions? Uh, Are you well capitalized? You know, and it's not about having a giant war chest. It's about making your decisions based on the right decision, not just based on how much is in your checking account. Uh, Do you have a reasonable and healthy bottom line? You know, if you don't have a 5 to 10% net profit that you're achieving in the business, and there's many out there that are more in the 10 to 15% today, then you need to be seriously concerned about that as it relates to not just today, but also how well positioned you are for the future. Uh, Do you have a business plan? And again, a business plan does not need to be an elaborate document, but it needs to be a plan. It needs to be a blueprint uh, and, and certainly a marketing plan as well. Another element I see in businesses that is helpful in how well in uh, uh, position they are is investing in technologies. There's a lot of technologies out there uh, that you should be investing in. And these investments, I think, are not necessarily the kind of thing you're going to see a return this quarter, but you might see a return later in the year or certainly next year. How much are you investing in those technologies or how much are you kind of behind the curve? And then last not 
not least, is are you mentoring the up-and-coming leaders? You know, I know many, many years ago, an uh, old friend of mine said about himself, and it really had an impact on me as well, is always looking for people to fire you, always looking for that person on the bench when it comes to other leaders within your company. You know, are you really thinking about that, or are you kind of just waiting that for that to happen more naturally? So again, I want you to just pause Think about how well positioned you are for the future and give yourself the score. The last uh, of our criteria, and certainly not in any particular order here, is your alliances and your relationships. Uh, And alliances and relationships probably, I think, for the best of the best businesses out there, especially the ones that really grow to a pretty substantial size, you know, none of us are as smart as all of us. And I think that the best of the best out there, the really, really healthy businesses have fantastic strategic alliances, whether they're suppliers, whether they're manufacturers, whether they're subcontractors, but they take these relationships, I think, much, much further than just a, a having them as a contact. You know, one of the criteria is do you have good dialogue with them? Good dialogue. Do you meet with these different people on a regular basis? Do you have phone calls with them? Not just talking about the problems in the here and now, but also talking about the future and where things are going and what they're seeing in terms of the marketplace place? How can you take your games to the next level? I encourage just wiping out of your vocabulary the word vendor and put in alliance or partner. And I think as soon as you start to do that, all of a sudden you start to look at each other very, very differently. Um, Are you always seeking, I think, synergistic opportunities? So as you see an opportunity out there, are you always thinking about how can I weave in one of my strategic relationships or certainly alliances into this? So what we've done is we've gone through these 10 criteria. Again, this is a podcast you might need to go back and listen to again to jot down notes. Now, I'm going to wrap up with just some of the scoring. So what I want you to do is I want you to take each one of these criteria and have a score for each. Again, zero being the lowest, 10 being the highest. The critical elements here are the individual scores. However, however, there is some benefit to adding up all the scores. As I've worked with literally thousands of companies on this topic, what I find is there is some pattern between the best of the best companies. And that pattern is really a couplefold. Number one, the leader's score, but it's also the leadership team score, the alignment, the consistency in the scoring. So I'm going to walk you through real quickly just what this is. But again, I encourage you, if you're interested in this methodology, go back and pick up my book, How Fit Is Your Business, or listen to one of the webinars out there that really have, I think, a lot more depth on a lot of the things we've talked about. So if your score overall is 85 and above, it you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. You appear to be really, really healthy. Continue, though, to do an annual checkup because your score will change on an annualized basis. Don't score yourself every month. Do this semi-annually or annually. If your score is somewhere between 75 and 84, you're fine. However, 
focus on the scores that are low, below five or six. Just put a spotlight on that score and ask yourself, what do I need to do to inch that score up, inch that score up? So it's kind of like maintaining when it comes to your health, maintain your blood pressure, maintain your weight. But if you have to focus just on the cholesterol, do what is required to get that cholesterol score down. Uh, if you're 65 to 74, you're average. So, and I know no one likes to think of themselves as average. However, you need to put your ego aside here and you probably need to tap someone on the shoulder as an advisor, a mentor, a coach to really help you, I think, be successful. The best of the best pro athletes out, out there have multiple coaches, multiple mentors. So again, I think if you want to be a pro, that's what you're going to have to do as well. 55 to 64. Now it's really time. You're getting the score that's getting down there. It's get a little bit wiggly. And while you may be in the go-go times in terms of uh, what we've found in terms of this tidal wave of activity out there to be doing especially well, it doesn't mean your business is doing especially well. It just means that you've been, you've had a major uh, a tailwind, I think, in the course of it. So now it's time to really plan for improvement. You need a plan. You need a, 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 a improvement plan for yourself, for the business, and you need to measure that uh, on a regular basis. If you get down below 50, now it's time to really bring your team in together. It's not something you're going to change on your own. So you need to start to have some group activities to discuss this and certainly maybe even bring in some of your key business advisors, your accountant, your attorney, other people that are really, really care a lot about you and the business to really help you take it to the next level. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this particular podcast. I know it's longer than many, but I think it's also one you can go back to. You can certainly share with other members of your leadership team and really be able to take your business to the next level. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Don't hesitate to grab a hold of a book if you feel like that might help you. Don't hesitate to reach out to some of the strategic alliances who are out there. And certainly my friends at Professional Remodeling are always uh, focusing on trying to help you take your business to the next level. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Remodeling Mastery Podcast by Mark G. Richardson, supported by Professional Remodeler Magazine, Engage, Leap, Marlamar, and Destination Motivation. Check out our earlier podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.